Now what? Hi, everybody. Um, we are the Workplace Learning and Professional Development Team. I am Latrice. I'm Travis. I am Yvette. And we are colleagues that just typically have random conversations that we think other people should hear and learn from. You so, think that. I'm not so sure. You're not sure? No, I, think I, well, think so. I, I, I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone thinks so. So we were talking about this idea for a while, and we we're super excited to be talking about it today and jumping right in. So one of the things that we talked about was if we're going to do a podcast, we have to have a name, right? And so the name that we thought of was Interruption. How do we, how do we get to that Interruption? I think it was a moment of genius by Yvette initially. Somebody mentioned an interruption during one of our training classes, but I, I, it, I think it sums up more than anything else what people are trying to do in any field of you know, personal development or corporate training. Mm-hmm. You've got to try to interrupt people so they can notice what they're doing wrong and find opportunities to improve. Yeah. I think it's exactly what Travis said. Just um, being in the classroom and facilitating learning sessions and coming to see people um, have these aha moments in the classroom where, you know, they were operating in autopilot in some ways, and then in the class, we kind of stopped them. I actually think the magic happens when interruption can happen on on its own. Like, you know, like kind of like what you're talking about, you're in the classroom, and then you can tell when something happens, not because something that I said or something in particular that I can point to that someone else said in the class, but you can see the wheels start turning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and human beings are creatures of habit. So I think the interesting thing is how often we're uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. Like 95% of life, we're just cruising we're on autopilot. And yep. it's really a precious opportunity when something interrupts us. Yeah. So how do we turn the interruption into a learning experience? Because interruptions can sometimes be uncomfortable. Mm. Like if I, when I think about myself, when I'm actually like interrupted in my thought process, and that typically means that I probably should take a step back and I've done something wrong or I'm thinking about it. Um, it can be uncomfortable. Mm. So sometimes I can, I guess the point is that I have a choice to make at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's always uncomfortable because, it, you know, like I said, we're creatures of habit. We want to be on autopilot. We want to coast. We don't want to have to second guess every aspect of our life at every moment. It feels too personal and too raw. So I guess in a training situation, the trick is to interrupt people and then to be there in that scary moment of interruption with a game plan. Mm. Here's what you could do differently. Mm. Do you always have a game plan? No, we don't have a game plan. I think I have been interrupted so many times that I've come to enjoy it. I'd like to think of it kind of like that aha moment, right? That light bulb, like, "Mm, I should probably be doing something different. Um, I think there's so much power in that. I really encourage people to come to our classes because when you try to describe it, it just, the magic happens in the room Mm -hmm. and it happens differently every single time. Mm -hmm. I feel like I teach the same thing lots of times over and over, but when you have different um, people and with different experiences in in a learning session, not only do they learn from us, the facilitators, but I feel like they learn from each other and that's, that's where the power and the magic happens. Yeah, yeah. And I think we try to be honest, right? We try to, like, strike the balance because there's the – I don't know who said it. This isn't going to be the kind of podcast where we quote individual right. people because I'm, <laughs> I'm not that smart. But it's a famous quote in philosophy that the unexamined life isn't worth living. Oh, that's mm-hmm. deep. What do no, I mean? You know, you gotta, you got to occasionally <laughs> stop, step back, you know, and see your life maybe as other people see. you got to get interrupted sometimes and look at what's working and what's not. But – there's madness if you go too far with that. You know, you're navel gazing, 
you're, if you're second guessing everything, you can't actually live a life that way. Mm-hmm. So I think our classes, we try to be honest with people and say, well, yeah, you're going to be on autopilot most of the time, and there's nothing wrong with that because you're a human being and you're busy. Right. But find your key opportunities, and when you see them, make the most of them. Yeah. So we've been reading this article um, about radical candor. And so I feel like radical candor is a type of interruption. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So just to give our listeners a little bit of uh, background about what radical candor is, the short version of the definition, I'll just read it directly. It says the ability to give feedback that challenges people directly and at the same time shows you care about them personally. Mm -hmm. So in my career, this has been a very interesting journey because I was taught that from the moment I was given the responsibility of leading other people. And I think actually now that I think about it, it goes even further beyond that. I am pretty comfortable with radical candor, um, but I think there's a balance that has to happen, which my teammates have helped me to see about this idea of framing things so that people know that you care personally. Um, I think that's an interruption that you guys have helped me to have. The only other thing that I would say about that is from my perspective, when I first heard that from y'all, I was like, I wouldn't be radically candor if I didn't care personally. I would be radically quiet. <laughs> yeah, that, makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So when you guys started reading this article about radical candor, what immediately came to? I love it. That's actually <laughs> what I thought. Um, I was in the office reading it yesterday, and um, it excited me because I thought about how much I value people just being honest. And telling you, you know, the truth, but then how important it is to be able to show people that there is a, a human component as well and that you care about them. And it's kind of such a struggle, right? Because you never really know when you're getting it right. And sometimes you're doing it, you're doing one or the other a little bit more than you probably should. And so I think one of the challenging things always for me has been how do you strike a balance between the two when you want to receive it and you want to give it? And so just to, I mean, I love frameworks. So whenever we can name something and I'm like, ah, this is, I mean, this is not a new concept per se, but just the way, you know, it's framed, I think it makes perfect sense. I think it makes perfect sense. And if we can create an environment where people would buy into it and see the value in it, possibilities will be endless, but it's kind of scary, right? The direct part. Everybody wants to care. But the direct part. I don't know that everybody wants to care. Well, most no. people want to per- be perceived as caring. Most people. Exactly. But you're right. What do you think, Travis? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's a really difficult balance, which is why a lot of people don't even try to strike it. Like, I think human beings aren't aren't bad, but we're lazy. I think like laziness defines the human condition more mm. than anything else. And the path of least resistance is to be nice. Smod, not smod. Smod <laughs> is a word I just invented. Smile and nod. You just smod along. Smod your way through life. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's so much easier than to actually point out when something isn't working. Mm-hmm. But I mean, surely you look at like high performing organizations. Uh, every major accomplishment of humanity, like like big achievements in science in the last hundred years, it takes somebody having a higher bar than that and being willing to point out when something isn't working that well. Yeah. Can we describe the the quadrants i mean yeah so i think the example in the article so the article was written by kim scott and before we do the quadrants maybe we give the example i thought there was a really good example in the article and that will illuminate for people what we mean when we say or what kim means when she says radical candor and so um 
The interesting thing is that at the time when she's telling this story, Sheryl Sandberg, who is of Lean In fame, was her manager. So you can imagine where that's going, right? If you've anybody have ever read the book Lean In, it's a great book. But she was giving a presentation and she thought she had knocked the presentation out of the park. And her boss uh, gave her some feedback. And she started the feedback by saying something a little bit tender, like a little bit uh, what I call sort of like um, using like tentative language. Mm. How did you think the, the presentation went? Did you, did you think about what what did you think of it? And so she kind of told her, like, you know, I think I knocked it out of the park. It was really good. They were like all into it. They were willing to give us more money. So I'm I'm, I'm cool with that. And then her boss said, well, you said I'm um a lot. You said I'm mm-hmm. um a lot in the presentation. You might want to work on that. Maybe we can get you a coach or something to help you with that. And Kim was like, eh, OK, but at the end of the day, they gave us more money. So we won. And so the point of that was that Kim was not really receiving that feedback until her boss, Cheryl, said, you know, when you say I'm a lot, you sound really stupid. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the average person, <laughs> if you said that to them or if somebody said that to you, how would you receive that? Say this, you sound really stupid. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'd have to ponder. <laughs> I'd have to think about it for a second. It would get your attention. It would definitely get my attention. And I think that's the point. When she was talking before, she was trying to give her that feedback, but it wasn't reaching her. It wasn't until she got really can't. Like, that's probably what she thought while she was speaking. Like, I really, if she would just start saying, um, it would just be awesome. Yeah. You know, when I was reading the article, one of the things that I thought was really notable was the fact that she said she compared you are stupid mm-hmm. versus you sound stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are two completely different things. And for someone like me, I probably would have needed to hear both mm-hmm. in that context. Because if you said to me, Latrice, like when you say that word, um, what was the word I always say? Uh, because clear, clear, no, clearly, you said uh, holistically. No, uh, holistically. That was her. No, that's what is the word you say it all <laughs> the time? Obviously. 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 Yes. So, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. That doesn't make you sound stupid. But if you would have said that to me, like in the, remember, we've had yeah. conversations about it. you say obviously a lot. And I was like, <laughs> who cares? So if there was some, you know, direct feedback and you were like, when you say obviously all the time, you sound stupid. I would be like, (laughs) okay. But I wonder, Mm -hmm. well, I don't want to put too much on it because I think we have a good relationship. (laughs) That's always a bad beginning to a comment. Let's hear what comes next. Would it make a difference if I said it versus someone who you didn't have a personal... First of all, do you think we have a good relationship? I do. Okay. <laughs> That's on record. That's on right. record. Right. Yeah. So, well, I you mean, know that I have much of a choice. I know, right? <laughs> you know that I care about you. Yeah. And the only reason I will give you feedback is because I care. I do know that. So then, but I'm not reminded of it in your moment of feedback. Ooh, interesting. And so that's why I said I needed the comparison. Like, I needed you to go so far as to say, Yvette, now let's put on record. I said you sound stupid. You are not stupid. And for me, when I was reading the article, that made all the difference. I didn't just follow when she said, because when someone says to you, you sound stupid, that's still offensive Mm -hmm. until you really take a step back and think about, okay, wait. So the words I said, not the individual person, Mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, this is outside of me because I say all kinds of things all the time. And sometimes they probably are stupid.
Yeah. Yeah, that's a key piece of the the model is that like what's the it's if a religious context they say hate the sin not the sinner mm-hmm. you know focus on the behavior it did, nobody everybody gets defensive if you if you make it personal right so the trick but is, I don't do you think of it like in that moment because I'm I'm trying to understand why people don't do it mm. like I am so comfortable with it I think because it's been modeled for me my whole life mm. and my parents were very like this goes back to before even learning to manage people my parents were not parents that you know, I think they said if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. But my also my <laughs> but my opinions were very val- valued. Yeah. And I was like kind of coached to like, what are you thinking? Help me to understand what you think. So from an early age, I've been coached that way. But then when I started leading people, a lot of people are not used to people giving them real feedback. So I've, I've, I've learned along the way to try to make sure that, you know, I'm not attacking a person. But at the same time, I'm of the mindset if we don't correct the behavior, I'm teaching you that you are doing the correct thing. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, if I'm upset, if I can't do it in a way that is structured, when I get upset, then it might come out the wrong way. And then yeah. the relationship is ruined forever. Or you give up because I'm a lost cause Mm -hmm. and then I'm not getting the benefit of some good advice that's sitting out there. I don't know that I sound stupid when I say obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. I actually think that when you say obviously, it makes you sound smart Mm -hmm. because things that wouldn't be that obvious to me are apparently obvious to you, which Mm -hmm. is impressive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or she's making you sound dumb because she's saying obviously. Yeah. Well, obviously, I don't say it as much anymore. That's true. Have you all not noticed? That's that's (laughs) true. That's true. You're cutting back. So who wants to talk about these quadrants? I, I kind of want to. Can right, I, can yeah, I? sure, please. Because I keep I thinking about the quadrants. Yeah. The last thing you said, Latrice, because mm-hmm. uh, this reminds me a little bit of our disc class, because we're, we're advertising classes. Is, yeah. is it fair to advertise uh, classes? Sure. Is it? <laughs> the one you teach, though, right? <laughs> well, yeah, how, I, I how, happen to teach how, the disc class. Apropos, yes. At any rate, we talk about how everybody has unique strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And the biggest trick to being an effective person is to know what your own strengths and weaknesses are mm-hmm. and how you have to flex accordingly. And you should Google, those of you that have access to internet, so that you can see it. Because this is an audio format. It's not good for describing a visual. But at any rate, the idea is there's a, there's a simple grid. And on the left side of the grid, it's not, uh, not challenging enough. So mm-hmm. you, you aren't willing to be direct with people. You're basically too nice. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the left to right side of the grid. The vertical grid from, from the bottom to the top is whether you care about the people. You know, So... You could either care about the people a lot or you could not really care at all. If you are on the left, you're in trouble because you're never challenging. So even though you care about people a lot, you're never giving them the feedback that they need to succeed. So if, if you do care and you don't challenge, then you're sort of like, they call it ruinous empathy. And you're just nice to people all the time, but you're never helping them. Mm-hmm. If you don't like people and you don't challenge them, then you're manipulative, you're insincere, you're passive aggressive, you're a backstabber. Obviously a bad place to be. We want to get to the upper right-hand corner, so we'll get to that last. But the bottom right corner is you're good at challenging people directly, but either you don't care about them or they perceive that you don't care about them. That's the thing, right? Like, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. I, reality. I promise you I would not be talking to you if I didn't care. But yeah. how do I know that? Exactly. You have to tell me every single time. Every, And that's exhausting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I mentioned the disc because so we, we are interesting because we're the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm willing to admit that I have a problem and my problem is that I fall on the left side of the graph. Mm-hmm. Right? We want to be in the top right corner. I fall on the left side. 
I try to be direct with people. I, I care about people, and I know sometimes they, they might appreciate my feedback. Mm-hmm. I often try to give feedback, but I notice that my feedback sounds vague. Mm-hmm. And I can hear it myself because I, I, have to, like, I have to sugarcoat it, and it means that the real message gets lost in the wash. Mm-hmm. So i got to take deliberate steps to say, when this is really important, I can't be myself. Mm-hmm. I have to be more direct than I would usually be. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I do care about people, so that comes through, so I don't have to worry about that side right. as much. And for some people that comes naturally, there is another article not to jump, but there's a gender piece to this as well. And it's 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 interesting to me, the whole idea where this whole perception, mm-hmm. like when you think about biases and gender and all of these other things that you're trying to communicate through as you're having a conversation with someone, it gets really it gets really challenging. And I think that's why people either lean on what comes natural, what's comfortable. And so, uh, I don't know, where do you where do you think you fall, Yvette? I think most days, probably right where we're talking about. I think earlier on in my time here at Tech, I probably was more, probably more, I had a lot more empathy than I would have liked to have had. And I think that was me trying to figure it all out. And I think the more um, confident I've become and the more, I've, probably more than anything, the more that I've proven to myself my capabilities. I think that I've slid over far to the right to this whole idea of what we're talking about, which is the radical candor, and really just coming to embrace the idea of the balance. I think empathy and the niceness and that kind of welcoming persona is a natural instinct for me. And I think the direct piece comes from a place of that, comes from a place of in some ways, it pains me to see people not showing them be- their best selves or something of that sort. And so finding a way to be able to still keep in mind people need to know that you care about them, but then also understanding that there's so much value and growth and that we all have blind spots and things of that sort that people often don't see that I haven't seen in myself a lot. I think that I have really kind of started to play in that area. And I still find, though, because typically, unless, you know, you have a relationship with someone, whether it's, you know, you've done a project or you um, work with them day to day, no one's really looking for feedback from you just in a passing moment. So because there's always this high and smile and things of that sort, I still find myself sometimes having to let people know that. There's another, I like to say, side of me Mm. like that people often feel surprised by. I think it's because you have to be one or the other. And so that's probably why it's less common that you see the radical candor, because people typically pick a position, right? You're going to be really nice and empathetic or you're going to be really aggressive and assertive. And um, I like to I mean, this is like the blend of those two. It's true. We're binary decision makers. Mm -hmm. It's hard to land in the middle, so we don't even try half the time. Can I ask you a question, Latrice? Absolutely. So I'm really interested in this. Latrice, do you think it's accurate to say that you are more comfortable on the right side of the, the spectrum? You're pretty good at challenging directly. I'm pretty good at challenging directly, yes. I agree. And I've got to work with you for almost five years now, and I believe that you care about me, so I find your feedback really valuable. You've said before that you think some people maybe don't think that you care about them, yeah. so they perceive it as too much aggression. Absolutely. Here's the loaded question. I can't talk about this. I'm going to shut up. Do you think the fact that you're a woman means that your directness is getting received more harshly than it should? Absolutely. And not only from just men, but also women. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like sometimes when you talk about gender, you want to put it on 
the opposite gender of placing that on you. But I think we as women do that to each other as well. And I think it's because we just don't have models. If you think about the world, particularly the United States, and you look at the leadership, rarely see women in those positions. And so when you find one, and it doesn't look like you would think femininity should look, then it becomes labeled as aggression. So it's interesting because when we, we travel impacts a lot, me and you, Travis, together. And oftentimes, like, you could say something and I could say the same thing. And it's just received differently. I've mm. seen it numerous times. But I feel like I'm, a, I'm definitely an empathetic person. Mm. But I'm an empathetic person who knows exactly what I want. And I'm not afraid to articulate that. And I think as a manager, leading people, even if that's not natural to you, in some ways, you owe it to the people that you work with. So I agree. You agree? Yeah. Well, I mean, I never, I never perceived it that way, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it could be true. You could know? be. True. And I'm sure it maybe it's it the is. truth according to Latrice. That's, yeah, right. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No one can argue that. It's your truth. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I've learned through throughout the years that I have to flex, right? Mm-hmm. So it would be wonderful if I could walk around this world and just be authentically organically me no filter Mm -hmm. but if i want to be successful when i often say in classes if i want a different result then the only thing i can do is do something differently and so that is where i think the challenge to not be selfish or not be lazy and figure out what each individual person needs And so if you do it well, some relationships will be easy. Mm -hmm. And then there might be like one or two that's exhausting. Mm. And so then you can get that one or two down to one because after you put so much stuff in the emotional bank account there, then you're able to be a little bit more radically candid. There's not only the quadrants, but there's like a step process that you have to go through to build that empathy or that um, remove the perception or the misperception that you don't care. Is that unfair, though? What's unfair? Well, the society's perceptions mean she can't just be herself. Well, who can really be themselves? We all, for the most part, Latrice, Hmm. haven't we talked about so many times how we've had people in similar classes that we've taught that Mm -hmm. say, who do you want? Like, my work self or my personal self? Mm -hmm. And we're like, what? And so I have thought about that statement so many times over and over in my head, like, okay, like a work self and like a home self or personal self and in some ways I do right because I'd like to believe that I'm authentically Yvette right here in this room right now but then if we were having this conversation outside of the context of Georgia Tech there might be some things that I would say that I might not say in here I don't know if that's right or wrong I don't I don't I think the more and more I think about it the less I think it's a right or wrong and more so just kind of being aware of the fact that kind of with the flexing piece when I'm around my whatever my environment is, I do what I need to do. To Another podcast because mm-hmm. there's this whole thing about code switching mm-hmm. that you know people have to do mm-hmm. if you want to be successful. Yeah. And so I don't think it's right. I searched high and low when I made the transition to a new job for a place where I could be authentically me. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. I share a lot of myself. The same. Latrice, you get at Halloween, trick-or-treating, mad at the parents for driving their cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same Latrice you get at work. Mm-hmm. And um, 
the conversations that I have, uh, typically the conversation that we have, the reasons why we wanted to bring this to to the masses, I believe, is because we learn a lot through these conversations. I think, though, to your point, Yvette, um, there are probably some ways I pull back, you know, but that's professional, right? So then when you say that, though, that's professional. Mm -hmm. Is that as legitimate as it was for the woman to say to me, do you want my work self or my home self? I think that if your home self is unprofessional, then you need to leave your home self at home. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so then, because you, you can't roll up in here with like slippers and hair rollers in right, your hair. So right. keep it real. Then keep, keep it, it real. 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 That's, that's, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. It's so relative. I mm. mean, it's not an exact science. It never will be. And so it's really up to the person that is interpreting what you say. I wonder also for what you just said about you searched high and low to find a place where you could be authentically yourself. Do you think it has anything to do with where you are in your career and maybe your life that you feel like you have the, I don't know if I'll say permission, but maybe you gave yourself permission to show up that way based on where you are currently in your life? I think you've asked me that before, and I think I'm going to say something different because I don't remember the first... Oh, wow. Oh, no. So that's well, great. The, there's a couple of problems here. I don't remember what she said the first time because I don't remember asking you that. And secondly, you admit it. That's respectful. I, I do. Like, I feel like there are certain, to reach certain levels, there are certain things you have to do. I would be curious to know what you think, Travis, about that, because I've, I, I am keenly aware that there are certain things I have to tone down. There are certain postures I have to take. And that has to do with the fact that, one, I'm a woman, two, that I'm an African-American woman in order to get to where I want to be. Right. And so my where I am in my career, I think, does have something to do with that mm-hmm. for you when you think about. For the radio audience, I'm a white man. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I couldn't tell. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, do you like? Does any of that resonate with you at all? Or, well, I mean, no, right? I don't. I don't have the experience of being an African American woman. I. I, I <laughs> uh, but, but on the other hand, I don't. I think it's really profound because I think there's a sense where it's unfair, mm-hmm. right? And we want society to be more fair. Mm-hmm. And there's an onus on the listeners sometimes, right? The person receiving the feedback to assume good intent for the other person, mm-hmm. and we want to educate them too. But we say in all of our classes that we only control ourselves, right? right? So I can resonate with the fact that I've made deliberate decisions about how I present myself sometimes okay. to try to, you know, I'm, I could easily be a doormat. I could become a doormat. And here's the really tricky thing about doormats. If you know a doormat, a lot of times it's because they're really nice, but sometimes it's because they don't even care about people that much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's easier just to sort of drift, you know. Mm -hmm. I I care about people at least enough to know that that's wrong. Mm -hmm. So I try really hard to present myself more directly sometimes than comes natural. I get really uncomfortable in conflict. I get like flushed, you know. But I know sometimes I have to do that. And especially if I'm going to keep rising in my career, I got to do it more and better. So I try to practice. So that's it. I guess I should have been more clear on my question. You answered it, though. I think the heart of the question was really, Did you? do you feel like you have to do certain things? Like, do you get to just show up and be Travis, white man Travis, and I'm going to be entitled to certain things? Or do I have to actually do some, you know, of course you do your work and you do a good job. Yeah. But if there are other things that you have to pull back on or amplify more, and it sounds like you said you do. Yeah, but on the other hand, 
if I'm being really honest, I probably do have certain liberties to be more myself, mm-hmm. you know, and I take a lot of pride in being myself. Like mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who gets really wrapped up in my appearance. Right. You know, I'm not. And I think of that as being down to earth. Mm-hmm. But really, it's because I've got a pretty good head start. Yeah. If you want to look at it that yeah. way, like I'm already in. A, I'm expected to be a business person, so I don't have to do anything extra. Right. So this is interesting dialogue. So let's round this out. How how does this is this discussion that we're having helpful for a listener? So helpful for let's let's put them in categories. Helpful for a manager, someone who's responsible for managing people. How does this idea of radical candor and all the rabbit holes? We might have should have called this rabbit hole because we we chase rabbit holes in this conversation. But um, how does what we've talked about today lend itself? Um, as an interruption and a learning piece. Well, we didn't get to talk about the piece for the Jeez. leader, where they their leader sits with their people. Did y'all read that in the article? We read. It. Let's keep talking. Yeah, the skip over the skip over. Maybe. <laughs> oh, yes. the skip level skip, discussion. Okay, yes. skip level yeah, discussion. yeah. So I think that there. Okay, so to answer your question, <laughs> <laughs> um, for a manager, as we talk about uh, radical uh, candor, what would be a takeaway? I think to look into it more, to, to come to understand a little bit more about the value and the balance between projecting to your people that you care about them, but also you care about them enough to share direct feedback that's going to take them to the next level that you know about because you're having conversations with them and inquiring about the things that they're interested in, uh, work-related and maybe personal as well. Also understanding that there is an accountability piece to this. And so I would wholeheartedly say as a person that has not led people yet, that it would be very difficult for me to be receptive to a manager that brought radical candor into our culture, our environment, and they didn't walk their own talk. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's probably why I brought up the uh, skip meeting, because I thought that was a nice way. It was a balance in this article for me to feel like, okay, well, there's a certain level of accountability that all of us are now going to be held at or a standard that maybe if you just kept it at the level of people that report to you that you might feel a certain level of like resentment that might come into it because it's like, okay, well, I appreciate, you know, your feedback. I'm, I'm glad you care about me, but I actually have some things I want to tell you as well. And so then maybe the skip meeting is a great idea, but then maybe there's an idea that the employee gets to be uh, radically uh, candid as well. How could this serve as an interruption and what could they do? Yeah. Well, I think for an interruption, if you've listened to the podcast this long, you've wasted this much time, you might as well try to to do something with it. So go and look at the grid. Google radical candor. Look at the grid. I think it should be pretty easy for most reasonably self-aware people to know where they fall on the grid. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have a problem with being too nice to people and never conflicting with them? Or do you have a problem with being perceived as obnoxious aggression as if you don't care? Once you know where you fall, pick one thing that you can do Mm -hmm. that would mitigate that impact and just do that one thing for a week or for a month see how it helps and then do one more thing the next month it's a continuous process if you stop you're going to fall right back into the same pattern Mm -hmm. if i was going to say one specific tip i think the best thing you could do is model the behavior Mm -hmm. that you want to see so the biggest criticism of what they call obnoxious aggressive people is that idea that they can dish it out but they can't take it Mm mm-hmm and there's, I think there's some reasons that that perception's out there, sometimes fair, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. But if you know that you're straight with people, you've got to go above and beyond to show them that you're willing for them to be straight with you. Yeah. And maybe start with that. Maybe do the skip level meeting that Yvette mentioned. And get. That's not being straight with you, though. I think we need another podcast because I don't want this to get too long. But the skip level discussion, I think, is 
absolutely fantastic concept. Absolutely mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. But it's a passive aggressive way. But to be honest with you, I can just imagine us saying, you know what, we love this idea. Mm-hmm. Let's coin it. Let's have a class. Mm-hmm. Bam. Everybody comes to the class. They're like, oh, this is great. Okay, you're going to have the. Who, actually, I do this. Raise your hand if you're going to have the conversation. Maybe one or two people of 15 mm-hmm. people. Then I say, what roadblocks? You know, well, my manager, you know, I got to keep my job. Yeah. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and so I guess in some forms, you're right. You're always kind of right about it in theory. Mm-hmm. In reality, people who report to their managers, like mm-hmm. if you think about your team, mm-hmm. how many people report to you? Seven. <laughs> Seven people. <laughs> how many of us do you think, and don't say the number, just mm-hmm. think about it internally, do you think would be comfortable with this concept? I think we've all gotten there. You think everybody on our team. I think we're at different levels. Okay. And <laughs> so we what are the levels? We started out, you know, a little bit more imbalanced, but I think we're mm-hmm. bringing it. You can't see me, but I'm moving my hands <laughs> into a scale. Very I'm a Libra, right so I'm all about balance. You know, my birthday is just... Anyway, uh, but I, I I definitely see your point. And I, I, I actually like the skip level, mm-hmm. but what I found at Georgia Tech is that what you just said mm-hmm. at the beginning is that everybody's not bought into it. Mm-hmm. So if you have skip level discussions where it's not handled appropriately, it can cause so much chaos that <laughs> it's not even like you shouldn't have ever done that. Right. Um, I was always told, you know how people always say, and we can start to round it out and close on this, but you know how people always say, my door is always open. But I think it's highly disrespectful Mm. to go around someone and talk to someone else about an issue that you might be having with the person. While I know it's uncomfortable, my challenge to managers is to make sure that you're doing whatever you can do to solicit feedback. Because a lot of times people think that feedback only goes down. Mm -hmm. And if you're not asking people, like, what is it that I can do better? Did that thing that I said to you, did it offend you? You know, I was moving fast. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Clearly, for me, this is what I say all the time, and I probably might need to frame this a little bit differently, too. And I'm sure my team will tell me. Um, which to me sends a a good signal when you have a team that will tell you. But if I didn't care about you, I wouldn't be telling you this. Like, I totally wouldn't be saying. And they can tell, or you guys can tell, when I'm quiet or when I'm, you know, free with feedback. And so I know this personally. And so for managers, I think they need to self-evaluate. Self-evaluate and all the things that my wonderful colleagues just said, like model the behavior. You said um, that it was levels to how the where your team is mm-hmm. on um, this whole concept of radical candor. And I think that when you said levels, I wanted you to define it because mm-hmm. I wanted if a manager was listening, they would probably wonder, well, oh, what does what that, that mean? mean? But then yeah. let me tell you, as someone that reports to you, I would probably say then that the levels for me is the time. Like it's a progression. Oh, yeah. We definitely weren't receiving giving both Mm -hmm. radical candor you know three years ago um but i would say we gradually got there through Mm -hmm. lots of conversations some uncomfortable um lots of you know lessons learned about each other absolutely and so then it kind of goes back to our other saying right from fears the conversation is the relationship and people you know having conversations whether it's about this podcast about life about the work about just really coming to understand who the other person is then you can gauge 
when it's appropriate, because there's some so many other factors that go into even probably making the radical candor worthwhile, like mm-hmm. the timing of it and, you know, the stuff we talk about and giving and receiving feedback, which is yeah. one of the classes that we offer as well. So love the commercials. You know, I just wanted to plug that same class and it would be better <laughs> for me to plug it because it's Yvette's class. Yes. It seems more credible. I wasn't <laughs> plugging it, though. It just but you should. So we already said what you should do. If you're too aggressive, then you should frame what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that, but you have to commit to it every single time you have to remind people constantly i'm doing this because i care i see potential in you that's why i'm having this conversation i can help you here that's let let me help you if you have the frame it helps a lot if you have my problem where you can't be direct enough to people go to the events giving and receiving feedback class there's a model sbir Mm -hmm. you can write a script and then all you have to do is deliver the script that's awesome you know just stick to it. It's hard, mm-hmm. but you can do it. You can. That's a, something you can will yourself to do. You can do it. If you want to see a change, you need to do something different. Point blank and the period. If you don't like the outcomes or the results, then you yourself have to do something different. We can't make anybody else do anything. The only person that we can control is ourselves. So this has been our very first interruption. You've been interrupted. You've been interrupted. Do not adjust your radio dial. <laughs> whatever, whatever you're listening, whatever device you're listening on, don't worry. You just got interrupted. You bam, <laughs> drop the mic, and we're out. <laughs>